I think Eli is, I think he's about to join. Okay, awesome. Are you here? I'm here. Hey, Eli. What's up, Eli? Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, I've never used Zoom before. This is weird. Oh, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for uh, taking some time today to hop on. No worries. Thanks for the invite. This is awesome. Yeah, of course. So let's start with just Manchester in general. When did Manchester really get started? What was the conversation behind it? Like, what's the story there? I feel like it actually all kind of started coming together around maybe November or December of 2018. Mike, you probably have a better like, yeah, it actual... Yeah, uh, like, yeah, around that time was when things started really picking up and becoming, like, real more than just an idea. Yeah, it was kind of like the dynamic of Manchester is is kind of like a mix between everyone who works at the shop and everyone that works at a marketing company called Bolt, which our owners also uh, like own. And uh, we have ties to them. And I feel like basically they came to, let's back up a bit. Let's back up a bit to the daily offerings days. Um, Do you, do you ever, since you've been to Lexington, do you ever did you ever go there to daily offerings? Yeah, daily offerings was there. It was like a really big in the scene, especially like my freshman and sophomore year, like 2016, 2017. Yeah, so pretty much everyone that works at the shop now worked at daily offerings. Um, and I feel like the story actually starts with uh, a guy named Jeff Ross who was roasting there and roasted all the coffee for daily offerings. Pretty much after that, our owners wanted to start a coffee shop and they actually approached Jeff with um, the idea of starting a coffee shop. They didn't really have any experience in coffee or anything like that. And they pretty much approached Jeff with the idea to start what would become Manchester Coffee. And they have like an office here in town. So it was pretty much like Jeff going out there and researching equipment, uh, roasting equipment, whose coffee we should carry, um, all that kind of stuff. And that's pretty much about where Mike comes in the story too. Yeah. Um, yeah. The office was great. They had, they had like probably 20 different bags of, uh, coffee from different specialty shops all over when they were taste testing. So you could get whatever you wanted when you were over there. Awesome. Yeah. But, and pretty much, pretty much after daily offerings, it was, we all kind of went our own way for a little bit. I was roasting at another small company here in town um, and bartending while we were trying to get uh, Manchester up and running. And we were originally going to start roasting with the opening of the shop, but because our roasters were put on hold, not put on hold, but the the build time of them was a little bit longer than we thought it was going to be. So then we had to decide like whose coffee we're going to carry. Are we going to carry multiple roasters what are we going to do and so then pretty much it was us trying to to figure out what equipment we wanted getting the equipment ordered trying to get all the permits and stuff to open all that kind of jazz that pretty much spanned november of 2018 up until january february march uh yeah we opened march 2019 so it took it took a good six or seven months to get everything going which i feel like isn't 
that long in a grand scheme of things things but when you're like living day to day like excited to open a shop you know it feels like forever so in all that what are you guys' like personal backgrounds like so you guys were you guys both involved in daily offerings mike were you were you i was not no i didn't work there okay so what are y'all's like personal backgrounds with like has coffee been a part of you guys' lives for a long time um did you grow up with coffee what's the story there i I did not grow up with coffee other than like, it was just like the thing to do. Like, Oh, got to start my day off with a, with a cup of coffee. I didn't really drink it throughout high school. Um, and then I was approached Well, I was talking to the guy, one of the guys who ended up opening the shop in November and he basically told me the idea. And at that time I, uh, was a sophomore in college. So I was just like, I don't know what I want to do. So anything that I, any opportunity that came in, I was like, sure. So they approached me and they're like, yeah, you can be like a coffee intern, which this isn't mean they would say the same thing. They had no idea what that meant at that time. Um, so I just did like some ordering, <laughs> some like ordering cups, looking up bags, just like talking to people about like just the stuff that you need. If you're going to open up a coffee shop like that, um, that wouldn't be too specialized. Like Jeff would have been looking at the the machines, um, like roasters, rest machine. Before then, I didn't really have any background in specialty coffee. Then when the shop opened, I was still, I was still intern, like technically the intern. So I would just, I like, I fell in love with it really quickly and then just wanted to keep learning and learning and learning. And I'm still in the process of wanting to keep learning and learning. So it's been almost two years of like being um, near and in the industry and I love it. I don't want to leave it. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like we should specify that you being an intern, you're actually an intern at the marketing company. Yeah, more well, or less, you know. I, yeah, I was I was always I was always at the office. Didn't really touch marketing too much. It was more so I was also just like I want the shop to open so I can like actually do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um for me, I would say 2014, 2015, I was I was working as a, a web developer uh with the DOJ, the Department of Justice for Kentucky. And I lived here in Lexington, but I worked in Richmond and I was out with friends one night walking around downtown and I actually, I'd never seen or really been into coffee or specialty coffee before. Um, I had a roommate that worked at a a shop here in town, but I I really didn't think much of it. We were out one night and I, and I saw what used to be daily offerings, coffee roastery, which it was one of the more recent, I I don't want to call it bigger specialty coffee shops here in town but it was more or less than at the time the newest one I'll say that and I was like kind of intrigued by like all the I've always been like into machines and just like mechanical things and cars and all that kind of stuff and I saw the machines out on the bar and I was like that looks pretty cool they make coffee with that which is kind of weird so the next day I went in there and I and I kind of just like fell in love with the whole vibe of it and I started going every day after I'd get off work, it got to the point where I was like skipping, not skipping work, but like trying to cut out early so I could get back to Lexington so I could get to the shop before it closed and hang out with everybody. And I probably did that for six or seven months straight, like almost going to the shop and sitting for two or three hours a day, every single day. And over that span of time, I got to know everybody that worked there, including Jeff, who was roasting. And Jeff was teaching me a ton about coffee in general about what specialty coffee was all kinds of stuff like that he was teaching me how to do pour overs espresso all that kind of stuff and then one day like I was just tired of sitting in an office like all day in that at that job 
And without like having any plans, like I just, I just quit the job. I was like, I got to get out of here. And then was still going to the coffee shop a lot, probably two or three weeks after I had quit the development job. I was walking down the sidewalk on like a Saturday, I think it was, just like every other Saturday, I was going to the shop to hang out for how many, God knows how many hours. I come around the corner and there's just like people everywhere. Like there's a line backed out the door. You look through the windows, you can't even see the bar. Like you can't see anyone working. There's just, the place is completely packed. I like walk in the door and I'm like, what in the world is going on in here? And I see like Jeff's head poke up everybody like over top of everyone and then the owner of the shop was also in there like taking orders and stuff and uh i look at her and i'm like what's going on and she goes do you want to work today and i said sure or let's see what happened. i walked in and i was like what's going on and she just looked at me and she was like you're working today and since i had been going to the shop so much and jeff had taught me so much i pretty much knew how to do everything the way that they did it and so for I would say nine or 10 hours straight that day. All I did was make tea and pour overs. And like, I immediately was just like stoked about it. And I think about a week after that, someone had left the shop to go do other stuff. And then I got hired on pretty much straight away and uh, been doing, been just like super into the industry and coffee culture ever since. Was at daily offerings for... I don't know, it was two to two and a half years, I think. And then kind of kind of moved on from there to get more into the production side of stuff, into roasting and, and that that kind of scene. Just because I scientifically, I was getting more interested in coffee. And like, um, so I started roasting at another smaller company here in town uh, called Smoke and Aces. And I roasted for him for six or seven months, pretty much to fill the void until Manchester opened pretty much. And now we're here, Manchester, about a year and six months in, still going strong, even through pandemic. Man, that's awesome. That is, yeah, I feel like that's such a natural progression. Like, you know, you get thrown into the bar and like the hustle and bustle and just like you never get to sit down and you're always making a drink, like always taking an order. After you're coming out of either that's like a school environment or an office space, that is exhilarating. It's the best. Um, oh yeah Mike did you have experience on the bar as well or how did that work like currently uh before so before before I worked here I didn't have any experience with like anything but also Jeff and Eli both kind of like took me under their wings and just showed me like showed me the way that everything worked and then on top of that just like also YouTube and books they do a great job teaching you how to do anything you need to know so like Physically, like, getting stuff done was just, like, this is so much fun. I love doing this. But then, like, also, what Eli was saying, like, learning the science behind how can I, like, manipulate how this tastes? How can I fix how this tastes to where we can be very specialized with what we're doing? And, yeah, just focus on focus on quality as much as we can. So, yeah, they, they took me under their wings. And then, like, I was – when I first started working at Manchester, being an intern, I wasn't paid. So, I was just, like – I was I, – I didn't care either. I didn't care that I wasn't getting paid. I was like, I, I love doing this. I want to keep doing this. Yeah, I, I wasn't on the bar before, but now I'm never going to leave. <laughs> Mike, Mike, Mike learned like super quick. Like he picked it up quicker than anyone I'd ever seen. He was like pouring swans in like two months. Like it was ridiculous. And like when we, when, when we first opened, it was, it was literally just Jeff and Mike and I uh, behind like – like we were open however many 
you know, how many, ever, ever many hours a day, seven days a week. And there's only three of us working. So he picked it up pretty quick just because of the amount of exposure he had to have just to keep the shop going. That first day was, so I, first day I come in no experience, like absolutely have no idea how to do anything. And we had obviously like the busiest day that we probably had for the first like six months we were open, like huge day. So I was just, I could only take orders. I had no idea how to do anything else. So I was like kind of thrown into, well, you're going to have to learn this or else we're literally not going to be able to make drinks right now. (laughs) When you first start, it's just like, after a couple of years in the industry, like you don't really even think about it, but like if I like look back to when I first started like working on the bar, like even just like grinding, tamping, like putting the porter filter in the machine, if you're like like it's just clunky and slow yeah. and messy. So I like that's insane that your first day was like opening day. I would, <laughs> I would have been terrified. Oh, it was it was scary. <laughs> <laughs> so since like opening and. I mean, obviously, if we, like, just forget the pandemic for a second, like, since opening to now, like, how have you seen, like, Manchester evolve from, like, whether it's, like, you had an original vision for what it was going to be and, like, what it meant to the community, you know, things change and things, like, evolve, like, how has it come along since it started? Uh, I feel like our, our original vision, just because of the, how coffee, specialty coffee is accepted here in Lexington, our original vision was more or less just to try to, to educate more people about what the drinks that they're seeing are. Because you get a lot of people who come in, and this is completely fine, you know, like you get a lot of people who come in and they ask for something and they don't really know what it is, which, you know, you don't want to like seem like a snob about it and like try to tell them, but you, you just like want to make sure they know what they're getting. Um, and I feel like just because of the size of Lexington, and even though we've had coffee shops here in town for a long time, it's still pretty, pretty new to, to like cool modern specialty coffee shops. And also like from the time our, the original vision to, to roast as soon as we were open and not carry any other, any other coffee was like kind of, kind of put on hold because a month or like a month and a half before we were kind of set to open we just kind of realized that the roasters weren't going to be ready for like another two or three months so we kind of had to take a step back and reevaluate what we were going to do on the on serving coffee and and stuff like that with who we were going to carry I think the vision just to answer your question in the most in the most general sense was is to just make sure that Lexington more or less understands what we're doing and why we're doing it, why we're pouring hot water from a kettle over top of ground coffee. Like a lot of people just still don't really get it. So I feel like that's our main goal at the, at the moment. We really want to get more into wholesale and providing other shops with, with coffee that, that want it and other businesses with coffee. I feel like that's, that's pretty much our, our main goal right now. We definitely, obviously we want to grow all businesses. I feel like want to grow. It's kind of hard right now, but we're getting there. It's been with only four employees, you know, we're, we're uh, doing the best we can. With it being such a small, well, first I want to touch on this. I think it's super cool. It's just like, it sounds like it's almost like for the love of coffee, if anything else. And yeah. it's funny you like mentioned that I like just wrote a blog post last week about just like I was talking about, we were sitting at this coffee shop here in Greenville called Mountain Goat and 
I was like sitting there and I was like, do you think people would like read something if it was just like, hey, here's like all like the, like the like classical definitions of espresso drinks. And she was like, yeah, nobody knows those. Yeah. <laughs> it like blew my mind. So I was just like, in the, in the post, I was like, every barista has this experience where, you know, like you go, you open the shop up, like you're there, like you're stoked to be serving coffee for the day. And then eventually a customer walks in and they take their time looking at the menu, which like none of this is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. They take their time looking at the menu, they walk up and you're like, you're like, okay, they got, they know what they want. And they're like, so what exactly is a latte? What's the difference between a latte and a cappuccino? And a lot of the drinks are like super nuanced, like, you know, whether it's like a flat white or like portato and, and like what exactly is a macchiato? Like, is it just the espresso yeah. that goes on top it's of it? Starbucks? Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like people need to know that. And people who frequent coffee shops like don't even know a lot of the, a lot of those definitions. So I think that's like, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, we still get a lot of people that come in and order espresso and then we give it to them and they're, you can tell they don't really say it cause they don't want to be like, they don't want to maybe offend you or something, but they look at it and you can tell like in their face, they're like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. and it's like, it's like, I want to help you get what you want. Like, just tell me, you don't even have to use the words on the menu. Just tell me what you want in the drink yeah. and I'll make it for yeah. you. Uh, I was going to say like, I think like nearby, like Louisville, Nashville, all those places have like very well-developed, especially coffee scenes. And I think Lexington's like getting near a process of growing within that too, where I, I want more specialty coffee to come into Lexington. Cause I don't, I wouldn't consider a competition. Like people aren't going to Nashville just to go to one specific shop. Like they want to, they want to see the whole scene. So I think that would be good just for the entire city with growing. It almost seems like sometimes the, the basis that you can like rate if the city's growing or not is if more coffee shops are coming into the city or not. No, yeah, truly. Even just with Greenville, like I talked to Methodical a week or two ago, and like they were one of the first shops on the scene. And when I moved here a couple months ago, people were telling me like, yeah, like Greenville's grown like tremendously even in the last couple of years. And it almost yeah. coincided with Methodical starting and then like all these other shops like setting up in the city. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And Lex- Lexington's kind of similar that way where it's definitely expanding, but it's expanding in these like little districts that are all kind of set on each like little quadrant of downtown. So you've got like the bread box, which is where uh, West Six Brewing is. And now you've got Jefferson Street Coffee or AKA Smoking Aces Coffee, like like a block away from it. So you've got like coffee in that little zone. And then where we're in the uh, distillery district which is kind of like the western quadrant or like the western side of of downtown you've got us in that little district and then like you've got the southland area which is where a coffee shop called luke's coffee is which used to be uh cherry seed which was a roaster and then you've got stuff like it's all in its own little areas of of towns like most like most cities but where lexington is not necessarily huge but it's still it's still growing and it's starting to become like those those cities where they each have their own little neighborhoods and stuff and it's it's getting pretty cool because we're we're seeing just this year alone we're seeing probably four new coffee shops yeah two of those specialty coffee shops popping up so i i think it's super cool like yeah especially just like every part of the town like has their own like thing how like in like in lexington how connected is like the specialty coffee community like is there a lot of communication between shops like a lot of 
are there throwdowns happening all the time? Like, what's the deal there? I mean, um, it's hard. It's hard to tell in the pandemic, but yeah, it's. I know that there's like an Instagram um, like group message, um, so people who are in social medias they can communicate through that, but not super connected. I'd say each shop's kind of doing their own thing, like by themselves, which like is fine. But also, I think it'd be cool to have events that are done together. I think a lot of shops have like different missions to say the least. I think a lot of them are like, we're, we're community based, but I think a lot of them are much more community based where we would be almost closer to coffee quality as our, like, as one of our main things. So I think it's just difference in like total mission. Like us as being specialty, we want to show people almost like a coffee gospel, like show them something that's going to like change the way they think about coffee. Cause like the moment you have yeah, coffee, yeah. you're like, Oh my gosh, that was, that was different. Like, you know, so that's what we want. I mean, that's what we want to show people to say the least. Like we want to educate them on what can happen. I think, I think the biggest reason why specifically to Lexington, but a, a lot of like the coffee scene isn't as connected as other cities is because I feel like even though in, in my opinion, if, if you work at a coffee shop, you're working in the service industry. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's a huge disconnect between coffee shops here and then what a lot of people think as the service industry being like food service and bars and breweries and stuff like that. We just have this, for some reason we have this huge disconnect here where you've got coffee shops in, in like this one like scene and then you've got everything else that's service industry related in the other part of it. Um, and just coming from like bartending and like working in the service industry bar you'll see bars around town and breweries around town and restaurants around town they they're all like this big family and they all like go to each other's bars and restaurants and stuff like that and they're all you know having fun with each other and and messing around with each other while they're working and i i feel like there's it just doesn't happen here in coffee shops and i would love to see it happen like ever since i worked as a bartender coming back when we opened manchester like i've been chasing that feeling like i just really want not to say that it doesn't happen here. Like people from other coffee shops do come into our shop and we, we definitely go out to other shops, but it just doesn't happen as much as cocktail bars and, and breweries and, and this whole like quote unquote service industry. Um, and I don't know, I don't know why that is here. Maybe it's just location. Maybe it's just cause we're not that big yet. I don't know, but I mean, it's, it's happening. It's just not, it's just not shifting over into the coffee part. And I don't, I feel like the majority of the reason why, and this isn't like a negative thing to be young and working in coffee shops, but I feel like just the majority of the reason why is because the majority of the people who are working in coffee shops in Lexington are all very young in a sense where they haven't either experienced other service industry related jobs, or maybe they're just not service minded and and they, they like coffee and they like hanging out with people all day. But I feel like that might have a huge impact on why it's not happening. Yeah, I think I, I think that probably does play a big part in it. And I'm curious also as to just like maybe there's this I remember being in Lexington and the coffee scene being like so niche. Only like you went to like daily offerings and like like a lot of the same people are kind of always there. Or like you go to Broomwagon and like a lot of the same people are always there. Or like they're there just for their bike. I think it's like so niche, but also I think in a lot of other cities, it has like a well, a well-established coffee scene, bar scene, breweries. It's like there's almost this like mutual respect for craftsmanship, 
And I think maybe it just coincides with there being like such a lack of like coffee education in Lexington. And people yeah. are like, there's like plenty of Starbucks around, you know, there's plenty of automated coffee to be had. But I had a conversation last night just about like why I love specialty coffee. It's because like there's craftsmanship behind it and people just don't know that. And they don't know like, hey, your barista, like they have to have a palate refined enough to know like this is for, I need to redial in or I would, if you like this kind of coffee, like this is what I would recommend. And to know like the science and art behind it to like make a quality cup of coffee. And so yeah, I, I think that as the education continues to go up, like that interconnectedness between like craft, yeah. like, craft people in the city will, will continue to grow. Yeah. I, when you mentioning having like, like, co like coffee in Lexington has its own little niche, you are like hitting the, the, the nail on the head. Like you'll go to a coffee shop and the same people that are in there are the, like they, they only go to that coffee shop. You'll have people come into our shop and then they'll be like, Oh, I went to Jefferson street yesterday. Sorry. It's like, it's okay. Like, <laughs> like we, like we love coffee. <laughs> like we, we go to all these other shops. They're our friends. Like, like it's okay that you go to someone else's shop. Like we want everyone to like go throughout all of Lexington. I mean, you can business wise, you can call it competition, but I just, I hate how competitive some individuals are. I don't know how to say it. I mean, technically, yes, we're competition because we're at another coffee shop in the same town, but I just don't want to see it that way. I want to, I want to be friends with everyone else and I want them to come to our shop so I can like serve them this coffee that I'm stoked about or serve them this drink that I've come up with. And then I want to do the same thing at their shop. Like I want to go to their shop and then have them serve me something that's they're super stoked over. And it, it does happen, but it doesn't happen as much like I said, is the spirits industry, maybe, I guess. So this, this is more of a broader question, but I wasn't aware that you guys only had a four-person team. I think it's insane. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. In that, yeah, like, I'm just like, gosh, that's a lot of responsibility for people. Um, so, like, in that, is there a lot of overlap for, like, everyone's responsibilities or like does everyone play like super specific roles i'd say there's definitely overlap within within like quality control and within what's some inventories within the bar but i think we also have like our special things where eli will he he knows what he's really good at he's really good at creating drinks um creating things that are really special within the shop um and then inventory management and then i'll do I'll, I'll do all production. So I'll do all the roasting, all the bagging, trying to do wholesale, just like a lot being thrown on, especially with, I love it though. Like I, there's no complaints about this. It's, it's what I love to do and getting into the phase of like ordering new green stuff and just the way I work. I want to be really obsessive about it and like get the coffees that I want, like not just go on a big importing website and be like, Oh, that one looks like a look, but like, like just people that I believe in um, right. coffees I believe in wanting to bring in some special stuff. So Having a small team like that is hard, especially if we start growing faster than, because like COVID slowed stuff down. So like it made things much more maintainable, but when things, hopefully when things get um, back to normal, then it'll definitely start ramping up really fast. Um, Cause like we've outgrown a lot of the stuff we have. We, Eli can talk more on it. We were talking about it, but just we've outgrown a lot of stuff. Yeah, so originally our shop was built to be quote unquote a pop-up shop. Before we ever opened, we knew we were going to have a second location. Not a second location as in having two shops, but a location that we would build and move into 
after mm-hmm. a certain period of time. Um, and just because of r- reasons, which we don't have to get into, like the shot, the, the second building has taken a lot longer than we, what we thought it was going to, how long we thought it was going to take. But yeah. yeah, like, like Mike said, beca- just because of the volume that we do in terms of uh, how many customers we go through, like on a given week, like a lot of the equipment, that we have, we've pretty we've we're pretty much running at max right now with, with oh, yeah. uh, what we've got. Just our our shop is is relatively small, and then our storage and bar space is really small compared yeah. to like how many people we go through. For example, you know we do we do. I would say we're relatively high volume shop. We're not doing the same volume as like coffee shops in downtown Portland or anything, but for for Kentucky, I feel like we're a pretty high volume shop, and we have one fridge, and it's probably like a, a twenty cubic inch fridge. I mean, it's it's tiny. We can fit like four, we can fit like eight gallons of milk in it, I think, and then like three gallons of cold brew. So we're like, yeah. we're pretty much, it, which is what we built it to be. You know, like I said, we built it to be a pop up. So we didn't we didn't expect to be in the space as long as we have. And we're, we've just gotten to the point where we're like, we're doing more than we expected to do um, customer and like volume wise. Um, and then like having, having four people, like Mike said, is hard, but it, it also is really nice in a sense because we don't, we don't have this like turnover, like high toner turnover rate and employees, like, like some places will where they have like 30 people on their payroll and, it's just pretty much like on that giving week who is able to work what shifts. And we, we pretty much have like a, a standard opening and closing shift. And then we've got four people that rotate that through the week. And I, we're like blessed to have really great owners, mm-hmm. um, which this is, this isn't their main gig. So one's a helicopter pilot and the other is in the fashion industry. So we pretty much like collectively run the shop as a team versus like, I'm technically the manager, but all that really means is when, when customers have a problem, I'm the one that has to deal with it. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but we pretty much, we collectively run the shop. Like when we make decisions, we make decisions as a team. And, and that's really nice when you have a small team that makes it a lot easier to do. And it's nice because also having a small team means we can work full time in COVID because uh, we don't have to share hours with, you know, 10 different, 10 different employees, but it's it's hard, but it's really nice having a small team, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I think it's I think it's a cool dynamic to have owners who like are not coffee people. Like they might like really love coffee and really enjoy coffee, but I think that would be a cool dynamic to work under. Like, do you guys like do they? Are you guys run the shop for, like pretty autonomously? Or? Yeah. So they they pretty much. I mean, apart from huge like huge decisions, we pretty much have. Uh, creative freedom over any uh, over everything uh, which is really nice so if we want to if we want to come out with a certain menu or some creative uh, side to the menu like we pretty much uh, have the ability to do so which is really nice our owners aren't they're not like not involved like they're they're in the shop like uh, pretty frequently and hanging out with us and we're all friends one thing I do like want to mention is we might only have four in like a four man team at the shop, but we just because we're, we're all friends and we're all friends with our owner. And then we're all friends with the marketing company that our owners also own. Like we're this, we're this big collective family of people while the shop may only have four people. We're, we're more of a team of 
10 to 15 people that collectively keep the shop going in terms of social yeah. media stuff. And, mm -hmm. and if we need menus printed, like, you know, there's a lot more outside help uh, that comes with being friends with everybody. It's really nice. That's so great to have a marketing company, like just like at arm's reach. Uh, oh, yeah. This is, I've seen so many like new coffee shops just really struggle with like even just their Instagram. And it's like, man, like you got to stop taking pictures with your Samsung S8. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so with the pandemic and like being such a small shop, like how has, have you guys navigated that? Like has it affected you guys in a huge way or? I know from, from the start, we, we were confident that we, we knew we weren't going to like go through any super big financial stress. But the big bummer about it was we were like kind of hitting like a peak financial time right before it happened. And then you like see, you just see the line going up a ton and then immediately it just drops. Yeah. It's like and month, it, month after month. We're like, yeah, this is our best month. This is our best month. This is our yeah. best month. And then like COVID <laughs> happens and you're like, what? no. Yeah. And the, I think the worst thing about it is just really like the change of pace was, was just kind of like annoyingly slow. Cause right now we don't have much wholesale. We're breaking even, but we didn't, we don't really have much wholesale. So roasting, it would have been like the, the schedule just changes. You're doing it less frequently. Um, you don't, and like us, we don't want to, we don't want to keep the same schedule and just roast way too much coffee. And then it goes old and then goes bad like that. That would just be stupid for us. Um, but the change of pace was really just kind of sad going from always going and going and going to just like sitting in the shop where it'd be like hours without people coming in because people just didn't want to leave their houses. Like I don't, there's, there's no, there's no bad thing about that, but it just sucked because we, we wanted people to come in and we wanted to make drinks, but the change of pace just kind of shut everything down a lot. Yeah. Once it, like when it first, when it first started, we, we, so since COVID has started, we have been open the whole time but we've we've been through or i guess each state has their own mandates uh we've been through different seating requirements different cleaning requirements you know all the all the different local mandates that have come out we've been like having to comply with them but when when it first happened we didn't have any seating we were still able to do takeout and like curbside stuff and to go uh so we were doing that and, and just trying to like you know like you hit this you're in this like weird area where it's like we need customers, but at the same time, like I don't necessarily want customers to come in here or like to come here if they don't feel safe to do so, you know? Um, yeah. And so we were like in this just weird, like no man's land of what we should, what we should do. And um, when it, when we did close our seating down, we were pretty lucky to have a really nice online presence where like our direct to consumer like sales stuff like skyrocketed right there in the beginning we were selling a lot of bags online we opened like our online like merch store and we were selling like tons of t-shirts and stuff like that just people basically wanting to help help the shop out uh from all over the country that was really nice so that's that's definitely helped us like keep going yeah over the past six months is a lot of online sales yeah with like I don't know. I'm not, I mean, like, I don't live in Kentucky anymore, so I'm not 100% sure what restrictions and stuff are. But, like, how is it looking, like, now, like, and in the next couple of months? Like, are people, like, frequenting shops more often? And, like, is it looking like it's going to pick up and be a little more, like, lax on all that kind of stuff? Or Well, just because we're allowed to have X percentage seating doesn't mean it's necessarily, like, 
safe to do so, you know? So we, even though we have 50% seating right now, we actually limit the seating a little bit lower than 50% just because our 50% is still like pretty uh, close perimeter to each other when we're, you know, have, when we have 50%, but people are more comfortable to come to the shop now. And also school is back. So even though uh, classes are still kind of online, like people, uh, students are back and we're, we're starting to see a lot of people return to the shop and frequent, frequent the shop a lot more often. And now we're kind of getting to the point where we are at max capacity a few times a week and we're having to like have people wait outside or like take orders outside, you know, which is kind of frustrating because you don't want to, like, I never want to tell someone they can't come in the shop. Like I just hate telling people that, but I, I don't really know what I usually look at the news every single night to see like what new restrictions we have to, to follow or like what the future is going to look like. But right now I don't really know just because our, the the number of positive cases keeps going up and down and up and down and up and down. So you don't like, it's kind of hard to predict what you think the governor is going to do as of right now. Um, we're still at, all businesses are still at 50% seating. Like pretty much everything has to close at 10. And I don't think there's really been any, any news on when that will be lifted or when there's going to be a change of pace. I'm, I'm not really sure. I mean, even just from, you know, the last couple of minutes you guys talking, like, it seems like, I mean, even just from like starting as a pop-up shop and like having a small team and like being where you are, it honestly seems like you guys have like kind of the perfect storm to like weather through like this specific event, which is awesome. We're incredibly Uh, fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Which is super cool to hear. And it was interesting. You touched a little bit on like, you know, you're like seeing the patterns of like people like coming back to the shop more often, like frequenting the shop. Is it with having a small team? Is that like, super cool like foster relationships with people who are there a lot like has that been a big a big part of like who you guys are yeah i think so there's there's a lot of people that come in the shop to come in the shop almost every single day and they actually and like i said pretty much everyone that works in the shop except for mike also worked at daily offerings so we have a lot of customers that kind of follow us where we go so we have a ton of people that we've met and built relationships with you know four years ago that still come almost every day and to the shop now which is really cool yeah there's like a lot of people who i just know exactly what they want before they're even coming in so i'll have the drinks ready for them and then they're like they it it's really easy especially saturday mornings because it seems like it's a schedule like this the same people come at the same exact time so just having those relationships and those like expectations of like okay i i know what the day is going to be like um is like makes it much more exciting too to go in and know exactly who i'm going to see like we were saying before like niche there's so many people who are loyal to us and mm-hmm. I love it, and it makes the work the work days fun whenever you're yeah. there. Yeah, it's always a lot of fun. Like even just like I worked at. Are you guys familiar with Drinklings in Wilmore? Yeah, yeah I worked at Drinklings for a little over a year, and like I was there with them like maybe a week or two after they started, and it was cool. It's just like it's cool because Wilmore is such a small town, like such a small community. Like everyone picks up on names. Like everyone in the shop kind of knows each other. They know that they know all the baristas. They know the roasters. They know the owners. So it was cool, like, being, I, I was, like, after the campus coffee shop, that was, like, my first, like, third wave experience. So it was cool, like, being in that community where it's, like, everyone appreciates this for what it is, and, like, we know each other, and we, and we all, like, are pursuing this common goal of, like, great, great coffee. Just because I'm curious, like, what, um, like, what, what machines are you guys working with as far as, like, 
on your bar and also with roasting? We have a Lava Honor Zoko Linnea PB on bar. And then for roasting, I, I'm using a San Franciscan 25-pound roaster and then San Franciscan one-pound roaster. The 25-pound the roaster is awesome. Well, they're both awesome, but like this 25-pound, it's awesome. But for our current production, it's really big. <laughs> right. Like uh, I, yeah, I won't have like eight hour roast days just cause I'm like, I, I can get, I can just knock it out so fast. I guess the one time is just like when you're doing like small batch roasting to. Yeah. Like if I'm bringing in, I'm especially using it right now during this time. Cause I want to bring in samples and like ex know what to expect out of the coffees that we're getting in. Like I'm, I have a couple coming from the Congo and then a couple come from Honduras and I just want to like see if they're coffees that I'm wanting to bring in quality wise. Uh, so just being able to just throw this through a couple of them. I wouldn't say throw this through. There's a lot more craftsmanship to it, but just in simple terms. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So you, you are responsible for like all the green buying. Was yeah. that like a crazy world to like dive into when you first got into it? Yes. There was a lot of vocabulary that I was like, I don't know what any of this means. Just like a lot of like looking it up so many podcasts. I listened to so many podcasts on it just to like really understand because it's a whole it's it's a whole huge world. I'm really appreciative of it though, because in my personal opinion, yes, what I'm roasting is what I'm doing with roasting is very important, but I can't take a bad coffee and make it good. Like I just that's just not in the ability of the roaster. If it's bad then it's gonna be bad. Um, so like really focusing on the quality of the green coffee and like picking things that I'm like, okay, this will be really good to bring in the shop. Uh, and this is like the first like big phase of me doing this because Jeff did the ones before. So I'm excited to like be able to change things and be able to really explore more options uh, to just help us grow in specialty coffee, do something different. It's fun to change things up, throw, throw different things on espresso, um, mm -hmm. have different processed coffees, different varietals. That's like the whole fun world of what you can do is production. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I kind of always try to ask a question kind of like this, but I think like if you're in the coffee world and you spend like any amount of time, like on Sprouts or just like on coffee, social media, it's like everyone, like there's so many people coming out with like, we have this like small micro lot for like, you can get a half pound for 60 bucks. And <laughs> it's like, is there any ever, is, do you ever feel any like either if it's like pressure or desire or just like, scientific and art curiosity to just like pursue like this super crazy like experimental niche side of coffee i think the the main there's there's like two things that uh they coincide but like two reasons that i don't one being in lexington there's not a huge population of people who are who are wanting to spend a lot of money on a coffee mm -hmm. like onyx is able to charge 40 dollars for four ounce bag because they're onyx if we come out with a six ounce bag for 30 dollars people are like no like what is yeah they're like, like, like they like I've they'll they'll come in and be like I've never in my life seen a bag of coffee. For <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to do that just for like I think that would be a really cool thing to do. But profit wise and how Lexington would take that, some people would be like, oh, that's awesome. But then most people would be like, yeah. I'm not. I don't want to spend sixteen bucks on a bag of coffee. Yeah, you'll have you'll. There's definitely you know the few people in Lexington that are in the specialty coffee and and yeah. would and would like, you know, debate like, man, do I want that? Uh, but <laughs> right. I feel like Lexington's just not there yet in, in terms mm -hmm. of size and their just exposure to, to like what modern coffee shops are doing. I, I, I feel like our main goal is just, is just to try to advance that by doing like an, a number of different things. Uh, you mentioned like experimental stuff, like 
I try not to get too carried away, but I have hundreds of ideas for weird experimental drinks in my head that we sometimes will offer on the menu, but I have to, I have to take a step back and like think to myself, like, even though I know this tastes good and I would pay seven bucks for this, like, is the actual customer going to, going to do this? So I like really have to like fight myself pretty much uh, coming from working in cocktail bars where you can literally do anything you want and people are going to order it because they don't know what anything is. It's a little bit harder to do that uh, in coffee in a smaller town, especially right now. Um, you get a lot of people that won't even look at the menu and then they just come in and order an ice vanilla latte, which is fine because that's what they like. That's what they want. And that's what we're going to make. Them. It is nice when someone is interested in something that's, that takes a little bit more effort to create or think about it makes me so good anyways when someone is stoked that i'm like making coffee milk punch or something i don't know <laughs> yeah you're even just like you know the, the simplest of like espresso tonics and people if somebody appreciates that it's like well, yeah welcome to my Some, world you know something that's been around for like so long but i feel like here people are still so new to but yeah stuff like that um, yeah well um yeah this has been awesome do you guys have anything like any anything you guys want to plug for the shop or anything anything coming up? Uh, if I could if I could plug something to the coffee world who's going to be listening to this, be service industry minded. <laughs> That's all I have to all I have to plug. Like I feel like there's this huge what what am I getting at? I feel like there's this huge stigma about third wave coffee from an outsider's point of view that they're snobby or like they they're know-it-alls because they're like trying to like educate you maybe I don't know but like over the past like two years I've really come into this mindset of like even if this customer is asking for an iced caramel macchiato I know they want a 16 ounce iced caramel latte or something whatever but I, I don't want to make them feel bad about it like I feel like that a huge part of specialty coffee gets a bad name because they're they're quick to correct people and I feel like we're, we definitely have a hard time with that here in terms of people thinking we're snobs. Um, <laughs> um, so maybe that's just my main plug. Just be, just be genuine maybe mm -hmm. um, in all facets of your life. Um, new things to come. We, we're, as COVID kind of goes away, we definitely want to have more events here in Lexington. I know that's a very like specific thing to the central Kentucky area, but if anyone listens to this from central Kentucky, we do want to have latte all right, throw down at the shop. So stay tuned. Mike, is your is your audio? Uh, well, guys, I, I, Mike had a plug, but his mic is not working, so <laughs> we can't. <laughs> no, it didn't work. <laughs> thank you, thank you guys so much for. Uh, All right, thank you for hopping on. You guys, uh, you guys had a really good insight into the industry, and uh, I'm stoked to see what you guys do with uh, with Manchester here in the next couple of months. I am as well. Thank you so much for having us on. It's been a been a pleasure. Oh, last note, Mike yeah. wants to plug wholesale. If you guys need coffee at home, if you guys want excellent coffee from Manchester, please go on their website, check it out, um, and order coffee from Mike. Um, <laughs> special thoughts on all the coffee. <laughs> yes. All right. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thank you. Have a good one.